The way we look at God doesn't prepare us for death. It doesn't prepare us for suffering. And if you're not ready for death and suffering, you're not ready for life because let me extend it one step further. The Bible to me is very, very clear that where there is sin, sin will produce the outcome of suffering and of course the outcome of death. That's where death first came from was out of the first sin. So if there is sin and if sin is going to multiply, then the suffering is going to multiply. Oh, if that's true, where do you think we might be as a nation right now? Well, Dale, it is good to be here with Effective Heart Change. How are you doing today? Well, the heart change is effective, so that, <laughs> well, I must but... be doing all right. <laughs> It uh, it's been it's been I don't know how many months I've been with you again, but I see, I see changes happening within your group, and uh, I'm having changes in me, and I appreciate that. It is fun to watch this whole process take place and effective heart change and this whole series on forgiveness and how to do forgiveness. I actually was reviewing one of the tapes, and I was looking at it, and there are hard parts to this, that mm -hmm. if you don't get over that hump, if you don't take those steps, you don't get better. And a lot of times people hit those, and they bail out, and then they give up on God. There's a process here. There's a heart change process that's incredibly important. It's important that you learn it, learn it at a deep level, learn it in a right way, or you don't get the outcomes. We tend to have a pixie version of uh, forgiveness that uh, you, it, it comes and, it, and that's it. It's gone. And it, uh, everything uh, has been taken care of. And the reality is it goes quite a bit deeper than that. That's especially important for the next couple of programs because where we started, number one is it takes a little bit just to make the decision. And some of that's how I view God and how I view the wound, etc. It's also another major step to hand it off to God. And I want to say it one more time. You're not forgiving, forgiving. You're transferring the judgment to God. That's such an important point. If people believe they're just transferring the judgment to God, it's a lot easier than if I'm saying it's okay. So step two, I'm doing that. This step is all about receiving. It's about getting, if you will, effective heart change, which we've talked about. I want to not just hand off the wound. I want to be changed so that if a similar event comes along, I'm actually ready to face it. Changed into the character of Christ, into more like him. That, that, uh, that I've heard that all my my Christian walk, since I was seven, I, I accepted Christ, and I've heard that, but uh, as you like to do, you, going deeper, uh, you, you have a different perspective on that that is, is a lot healthier and is a lot uh, more successful. Deep dives are my specialty. There you go. So to take a deep dive, let's go to the place of asking this question. Why did this wound hurt me so much? 
that ends up being really significant because if I can understand the whys, if I can understand the driver, not of the event, but of my pain in the event, those are two different things. There are events. There are events that are tragic, that are, that are horrendous, that are going to hurt anybody and everybody. And so there's just a process of grief I have to go through, a, a healing that I have to work through. But there's other kinds of things that are especially traumatic to me, key words. And so it's really important for me to begin to understand that this was really hurtful to me, so I kind of need to understand why it was hurtful to me. So the old jock in me is, is flashing back to the sports that I participated in. We'd have films of, of the practice. And what it was was taking another look to see what happened. Uh, the question, it seems, that, that's going to come up here is, why did that hurt me so? And, and, and uh, to be able to uh, take the time, and obviously it's going to be on film more than likely, but, but to, to, to go back over what you remember of whatever happened and, and kind of dissect it and, and say, okay, why was I, why does that bother me so much? If you're going to go there, let's go to the locker room statement, there's no gain without pain. <laughs> you know, and in Christianity, we've actually taken that and just kind of thrown it out. And we've, we've got this pleasure, prosperity type of a gospel where there's only an upside in Christ. There's no pain. We ignore John 16, 33, where Jesus said, in the world, you will have tribulation. You will have suffering. You Troubles. will... You have troubles and pain. And so we've thrown that out. A more accurate view of our lives in Christ, not outside of Christ, but in Christ, is that there is going to be struggle. There is going to be suffering. There is going to be pain. So if I'm not equipped to handle that, then I'm going to get run over and I'm going to be devastated and life in Christ isn't going to be very good. That was that pixie dust idea I was talking about in the beginning there, because we have that sense of forgiveness. Uh, it, it's, it, everything's taken care of, and, and that's really not the case. And so the soaking that I'm talking about in this one is not about the wound again. It gets back to me, and I need to receive from God something. I need to receive a strength. I need to receive a peace. I need to receive a joy. And if I go to 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, let's choose the word comfort. I want to receive comfort from God. And when I receive that comfort from God, I'm changed. I'm changed on the inside. So when the next wound comes my way, I don't respond to that same incident the same way I did the last time. It's not as devastating as I did the last time. So my goal at that point is, how about this word confidence? If you want a biblical word, we could go with faith. I need to grow in confidence to face life when most of the time old wounds mean that I grow in fear of that event happening again. I survived that one. I got through that one. I got to a point of forgiveness. Wow, I'm I'm finally finally better, but it better not happen exactly. to me again. You know, I mean, if that's how you're living, you're not living in victory, and so I need to concentrate 
after I've handed off a specific incident with a person, I need to concentrate on what do I need to drink in? How can I grow so that I'm actually in a better place? So there's a second examination there to, to, to recognize that you're hurting and maybe why, and then you turn it over and, and, and then you start watching for uh, not to see that you're going to get hurt again same way, which is what we tend to do, but, but uh, that, that God has it. In, in friendship speak, that would be, I got this. And that's what God says to us, I got this. We need to turn it over and be firm in that commitment that it's, it's his, not, not something I'm going to dredge up again. I think we'll take a break. I want to jump into, I call it a theology of death and suffering and all of these kinds of things. It's going to be a longer topic. Let's stop and examine where we've been, and we will continue right after this. I remember actually many years ago now, sitting in a seminar, listening to a pastor saying, we don't do death well in terms of theology. The way we look at God doesn't prepare us for death. It doesn't prepare us for suffering. And if you're not ready for death and suffering, you're not ready for life, because let me extend it one step further. The Bible to me is very, very clear that where there is sin, Sin will produce the outcome of suffering and, of course, the outcome of death. That's where death first came from, was out of the first sin. So if there is sin, and if sin is going to multiply, then the suffering is going to multiply. Oh, if that's true, where do you think we might be as a nation right now? Confused. <laughs> I tend to think of death as an instant. And, and so I guess I don't know why uh, I have to work on that one. But for me, it's only a moment. It's, it's that transfer from back to the spiritual as being home. I think humans fear death. It's, it's unknown. And, and, and uh, it's the end for most, most people's thinking, it seems. Uh, and, and to me, it's a beginning, but take me deeper. Let's go to Hebrews 12, because to me that lays out several points that are really amazing, and it starts off with the cloud of witnesses. Here you are, back to the athletic analogy, here I am performing, as it were, in front of a cloud of witnesses, and the cloud of witnesses are actually everybody who has gone before me. So you got mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and great-grandma and great-grandpa. Generations. Whoever it is. Yeah. And there you've got this gallery of heaven who is watching this performance. And the theology here is that Jesus died for sin. And I'll take you to Colossians 1.24, where Paul says, that I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. There are things in Scripture that talk about us needing to identify with the suffering of God, 
And let me take it one step further. People don't believe that you really love them at the deeper levels until you're willing to suffer for them. So they don't trust at the higher levels. They don't connect at the higher levels until they see you willing to endure pain on their behalf. Now something wakes up in them. My connection with you, my ability to be there to support you actually is strengthened by this idea of suffering and me being willing to lay down my life. And of course, Hebrews 12 is all about Christ laying down his life for us. This is a theology of suffering that we just don't do. Suffering equals bad, equals demonic. Pleasure equals God, equals good. And the Bible doesn't lay it out that simply. So in essence, we're uh, imitating Christ uh, with the difficulties, with the pain and the suffering that we endure. It's a, that's the long process of dying, and that's maybe that's why I see death as a release. Because uh, as humans, uh, we fall short, and and Christ came and. Uh, not only did he pay the price, he, he lived it out, uh, and there was a lot of suffering involved. And, and he's, he didn't hesitate to let his disciples know, and those that heard him preach, know that they would, they would have plenty of suffering too. And, and so that's, that picture there uh, is, really speaks to me because uh, what we're doing is imitating Christ. Christ is, we become more like Christ by the suffering and by going through some of the things that he went through. Well, one of my favorite verses in Hebrews 12 is the idea of, well, you ain't dead yet. And of course, that's, that's a very loose paraphrase where he talks about you haven't suffered to the point of bloodshed yet. Christ suffered to the point of dying. You're not dead yet. So he's really bringing that point home. And then he goes into the next point that if you're not receiving discipline from God, if you're not receiving correction, well, every discipline, every correction ends up being painful just about. So I've got this painful thing going on when I'm receiving correction and I'm looking at life, and many of those times, God is using other people in our lives. So there's this wound, there's this conflict that is actually the crux. It's the, it's the focal point of the unforgiveness. It's like, how dare you do that to me? All of that just ties together into a mixture that it's hard to separate the wound and the unforgiveness and the discipline of God and the orchestration of life events. And Paul kind of challenges us. Well, actually, some people don't believe it's Paul, but the writer of Hebrews challenges us to grow up. Dying for a good reason. <laughs> if you're going to, if you're going to die uh, and, and you have any say in it, you want it for, to be for a good reason. Uh, and and it's hard for us to find good reasons. I I I would I would venture, but uh, it's you don't want to you don't want to die for something that doesn't matter. And and I think that that's that's the challenge that 
Jesus throws out there is that uh, I've given you a great reason. And it didn't come with, a, I've done it perfectly. Uh, it came as, this is, this is why you're here. And that's, this is what I want to encourage you to do. And we'll be together because of it. And that's a different, different look than we tend to have. Romans 8, 17 takes it another step. He says, you're going to be my heirs. I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you an inheritance. I'm going to give you all these things if you suffer with me. It's really interesting how much the suffering is tied to the inheritance, which is tied to the power. It really does almost go back to the locker room statement, there's no gain without pain. I've got to be willing and able to walk through these things. So if I don't develop a mental toughness, a spiritual toughness, and that's what happens through wounds, if I don't fight through the wounds, if I don't get to a heart location, effective heart change, if I don't soak it in and receive, then I never do the will of God. I never step into the inheritance. I never effectively and powerfully impact the people around me. The, the phrase Jesus used was, I go to prepare a place for you. Uh, that's pretty personal. That's a personal invitation. And, and it's one that uh, uh, has the greatest promise. But it's be like me. And, and uh, uh, we, we, we're kind of on and off on that. We, uh, the, our, really, our vision is probably a big part of our problem is that, that we, we don't like discomfort. We want everything to be just hunky-dory. And, and the reality is that this life isn't that way. Now, how do I do that? Can I just suddenly get a tough attitude put on? I'm going to put on the attitude of a champion, and I'm going to suffer, and the goal is worth it, and the prize is worth it. And I'm going to suggest to you that, no, that's not going to work. So then I get back into the concept of soaking. If after I've made that decision and I've executed the handoff, I need to sit there and there needs to be a waiting period. There needs to be a soaking period. There needs to be a drinking in period so that I am built up. I'm strengthened and changed on the inside. I have a purpose. I want to be able to handle the next one better. But there's a process involved here of soaking that ends up being very, very significant. And if I don't take time for that, then I find myself not really having achieved the goal, if you will, having stepped through the purpose of walking through the unforgiveness process because I want to be better, not bitter. There was a great commercial uh, during the Olympics that was on, and, and they had a phrase in there that I wrote down, and I, I, I've been thinking about it a lot. It says, uh, you don't have to be amazing uh, to start, but you have to start to be amazing. And, and really, that's, that's, that's a, a great description of a relationship with Jesus Christ, is that... Uh, you have to start, and and uh, you don't have to do it by yourself. Other than to commit to start to to say yes, and and then you've got the great coach, 
and who's going to do everything. And, and like all coaches, there are different techniques they use. And Jesus uh, suffered, and he wants you to know uh, how to get through that. But, but you've, got, you've got the best opportunity to be the best self. Let's take a break, and then we will continue with the soaking part in the next segment. Isaiah 53, 5 talks about he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. There is a transfer. There's got to be this connection and this transfer that happens. And if we don't get that connection and transfer applied in real time, we stay in a wounded state. We've, we've made a decision. We've made a logical decision. We've made a willful decision. We've made whatever kind of decision we have. And we might have even spoken some words, but inside I'm still pretty much the same. So how do I tap into what Christ has done? The picture that I love the most is literally laying my hands on the lamb. Now, this is when I have sinned. You know, when you're talking about wounds, it's a little bit different, but laying my hands on the head of the lamb and saying, this should have been me. And then you're picturing the cross and you lay your hands on Jesus on the cross and say, this should have been me. Those are powerful words where I begin to understand substitutionary sacrifice. Jesus died for my sins. Well, that's if I've sinned, but of course, if someone has sinned against me and if I've been wounded, it messes the whole picture up, so the receiving process is a little bit harder. So it's a process of identification then. You're identifying with, with Christ and what he did for you, uh, the suffering. So the obvious jump, it would seem, is that uh, if I've been injured by somebody else, my response would be to somehow identify, well, Christ died for them as well. And, and if, we, if I can start there, uh, I'm way ahead in the process. But the tendency is we're too uh, involved in our own hurt to, 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 to do that. But like we were talking earlier, you got to start. And, and if, we could, we've, if we could set a standard of when we recognize that we're hurt, that to, to uh, at least for the moment consider why, and, and that's difficult. I mean, it's going to take a lot of practice, but uh, if, it's a start. One of my favorite sarcastic comments. I talked about sarcasm in class yesterday and not in a kind way. But one of my favorite sarcastic comments is, I can't believe you lied to me. It's never, I can't believe you lied, but it's lied to me. So often with wounds, we make it personal. It's, it's like what you did to me and everything's revolving around me. It's revolving around my world. When it needs to move out of that, and we need to see the bigger purpose, we need to see the entire picture. What you brought up is exactly right on. When I look at Isaiah 53, 5, and I look at Jesus being wounded for my sin and my transgression so I can be healed, that's where we start. 
but that's not where we need to finish. We need to finish exactly what you said, where he also died for that other person. He also died so that that other person can get free, can get to a point of victory. And if I'm really buying into the things of Christ, I need to begin to ask myself, how can I be the best influence I can be in that situation? How can I positively impact that person? Now, we're not there right away with the forgiveness process, so the first part of the soaking is probably going to be for me where I'm allowing God to bring that comfort and soak it back into me. I've got to have that soaking process where I'm receiving some good stuff and I'm receiving some healing first before I'm able to extend that to the other person. Church I'm going to right now is uh, uh, the pastor is, is doing a series on shame. And, and uh, I had that experience recently. Somebody said, shame on you. And, and uh, he's making the point, our pastor is making the point, that, that uh, that's not in your realm, that you're not, you're not the one to declare shame. Uh, and, and, and what it reminded me of is we tend to personalize the hurt and, and throw it right back at the other person instead of handing it off to God. God makes those judgments and those decisions, and that's not my purview. And that's part of what we've done in the forgiveness process. We want to play God. And you've got to let that go in order to get where you need to be. So in the soaking process, I've got to get to that point of realizing that it can't be totally about me being the judge and getting it over on that other person. It's got to be about the bigger purpose. I've got to see this bigger picture. And when it becomes a we and I begin to see that application, then I get into Romans 8:17. Now I'm ready to receive an inheritance. I'm ready for God to confer some power on me, some authority on me, because I can now be trusted with that. So it first starts with a soaking where I'm getting my wounds taken care of. I'm, I'm getting that hurt just kind of, it's, it's being healed. I'm being taken care of. That's the first part of the soaking. And we talked about this in the last time. I talked about sometimes that's through pictures. Sometimes I'm able to see the other person differently. I'm able to understand they were wounded. They were broken. They spoke to me out of their brokenness. So I, I get different pictures. I I actually get to a point where God brings something inside of me where I'm able to feel for the other person. I walk through that process, but eventually I actually want to get to that place of Romans 8, 17, to where I'm able to be a godly influence, because until I'm ready to be a godly influence, God can't pour power out on me. I'm thinking about starting to be amazing. Uh, in the process of being able to let go, turn it over to God, uh, that's a little amazing. <laughs> and and the, the more often it happens, the more amazed I get. So it's not that I'm being amazing, it's that I'm walking closer with the amazing. That, uh, that's a nice picture. So let's talk process for a little bit. One of the first steps that you need to do is 
put down the wound itself. I'm going to suggest in terms of process that I get into a place of worship. I get back into the Word. We've talked Hebrews 12. I've given you a number of different scriptures. We've talked this process of literally getting into Christ. One of the best ways to do what I'm talking about with the soaking is you take that wound and you completely set it aside. You step into the place where I'm in Christ. I'm functioning. I'm I've done my best to set it aside. I already did that at the decision level and the handoff level. I've done that, but now I've got to drink this in. And it's once I get in Christ, it's once I get in that place of worship, once I get in the mindset of the Word, and we've laid those foundations for you during this program, once I get into that mindset, I will see from a different point of view. Now I'm much more ready to go back and actually look at that situation and then eventually take this next step, which I've been talking about the last few minutes, of now I want to be a godly influence on the other person. Now, there's going to be times when you can't be. There's going to be times when the other person has taken offense towards you, and one of the things that I've learned is there can be fences up. You know, offenses build fences. And so there's this fence that is up where that person doesn't want anything to do with you. Uh, you are the awful person. And so you don't get a chance to be an influence in that situation. So the only thing I can do is grow up. And when the next situation happens, hopefully I, I respond better and I can be a good influence. But sometimes if you step into a new place and, and this good stuff is inside of you, you're now able to go back and be a godly influence back in that same situation. Well, I'd venture that sometimes uh, the fact that they're not responding is an opportunity. It's, uh, because the, in reality, my first contact when I recognize where I'm at, that I'm hurting and I don't feel good about this, is that letting go part. And so that's a, that's a vertical uh, connection with God that can help you in the horizontal, uh, and there's the cross. But you need to, the first thing, uh, once you recognize there's a problem, is to go to God, because that's, the, that's where we're going to have clarity. We, did, we can do our very best to understand and to do the best with it, but on our own, we're not going to have breakthroughs. We're not going to get better. Uh, we're going to get bitter. Amen. One of the most significant questions in this whole thing is, if I forgive, do I need to restore? And if you listen to what I just got through saying, sometimes the truth of the matter is you can't restore. The picture that other person has of you is, is so perverse. It's so toxic that anything you say can or will be used against you. And so the best thing for you to do is just to move on. The only way you can answer that question of should I restore or should I not restore is to be able to hear from God. The only way I can hear from God is to go through that soaking and receiving process to where my wounds are gone and I've forgiven it and I'm in that place, I'm waiting, I'm listening. I get to the point to where God can say, yes, go back to that person. Let's say that person responds badly. Again, I need to have grown. I need to be in a different place so that if that person responds badly, 
I don't just perpetuate the offense and, and recreate it. I'm able to respond graciously this time. If I'm able to respond graciously this time, think about where that moves this thing. And where have we been the last few minutes? We've been talking about Romans 8, 17. We've been talking about moving this thing into a place of influence. And if I'm ready to move into godly influence, now I'm ready for God to pour out a power on me and an anointing on me to deal with situations. But I can't have that until I'm ready to restore, but I may or may not be able to restore. And, and it's interesting uh that God allows that to, to go on it, because it's not all about me. Uh, there's someone else involved in this. And, and so I need to do my best to see how God is prompting me and respond to that. But the reality is he's waiting for a response from the other person too, and, and me not getting what I think I might deserve, I'm not, I don't like that terminology particularly, but, but expecting some sort of reciprocal to, to my attitude, and it's not coming, it might be because God is allowing that person to steep in where they're at and have the same, hope to have the same background, uh, breakthrough. It's interesting, when Jesus sent his disciples out, he basically said, there's people who won't receive you. They will completely reject you. And when you get ready to leave that town, shake the dust <laughs> off your feet. Now, go people on. go a lot of different directions with that. It's not harbor unforgiveness, so shake the dust off your feet with this angry attitude of, you know, God will judge you, etc. I don't believe that's what he's saying. He's saying, shake the dust off your feet for your sake, because if you're still harboring this last one, when you go to the next one, you won't be ready. You won't be prepared. And then the old wound is going to jump into the new situation and virtually guarantee that you will be wounded in the new situation. So it's really important to take away this requirement that if I forgive, I have to restore. Sometimes you can't restore. And if you can't restore, you've got to be able to shake the dust off of your feet, move on to the next situation, and be ready to be the loving image, the, the Christ-bearer, the forgiveness-bearer, the connector that God wants you to be. That's my goal. I want heart change. I want to get to a new place. If I'm getting there, then the will of God is done through the forgiveness process. And not... Living back in those days, we don't understand the, the, the dust on the feet anyway. They're walking around in sandals, and, and uh, one, of the, one of the pieces of hospitality was to offer a bowl and, and so the feet could be washed. Well, to me, the message is don't take old dust with you. <laughs> and, and, and so uh, the shake it off part is, is clean it. Let uh, move on. If uh, when you move on, make it clean. Don't take the old dirt with you. And you can't shake the dust off without a receiving process. I don't believe I can do that in my own strength, especially if the wound is deep. And we're doing the deep dive, and we're talking about the deep stuff. When that has come my direction, 
and I really have been devastated. I have been hurt at a high level. How do I shake the dust off? The only way that I know is you've got to get into that inner room, spend the time with God. You may need to be metaphorically in an inner room with a healer, with a counselor, with somebody that you can talk through so that now I'm not just processing with God. I'm processing with people who speak healing, restoring, strengthening words to me. I'm actually taking this receiving, soaking process as an important part. Grief is a process. It doesn't just happen. Occasionally, you get more of what I call the God zaps, where it happens more quickly, and it's, it's more of an instantaneous thing. But most of the time, it's a process where I slow down, I take the time, I drink in from God, and I know that I'm where I need to be when I'm able to get up and move on without the dust on my feet, without the old unforgivenesses on my body, on my spirit, on my person. I'm able to move on. And back to Romans 8, 17, I'm ready to be a godly influencer in the next situation. You know the picture of Christ at the Last Supper? He washed his disciples' feet. He, he, he basically disrobed and, and went to his knees and cleaned all of their feet. Uh, he was the master. That should have been somebody else's job. Uh, but that's a great picture of, of God's participation in, in our shortcomings because he came, he gave up, he gave all. Uh, he gave up his place in heaven and became one of us. And then as one of us, uh, he, <laughs> he was subjected to more than we can even imagine. And then in death, in going to the cross to die for all of us, he gave it up, gave everything up. So that picture of Christ washing your feet, that, that would be a good place to go uh, when, when you're feeling hurt, angry, or anything else that, that's going to be a stumbling block. I love the scripture that's a lead-in to that, where it says, Jesus, knowing all things, knowing the cross was coming, knowing he was going to be betrayed, Jesus, knowing all of these things, loved his disciples to the uttermost. I, just that language yeah. is so incredibly powerful. You talk about somebody who had forgiven the right way and was living it the right way and had stepped into a place where he was capable of being a godly influencer. Then compare that to the Hebrews 12, where the writer basically says, uh, you're not dead yet. Yeah. You haven't done what Christ has done. Yes, it's tough. I know it's tough, but get up, get after it, get going. We tend to excuse weakness. We tend to excuse people who don't get the job done in forgiveness, and then we excuse people not to be godly influencers. We say, it's okay. You don't have to be that godly influencer. You don't have to step into ruling and reigning. What? Over your own spirit and over the selfishness and the wounds and all of the stuff. I can't be a godly influencer unless or until I can do that. And when we excuse people for their unforgiveness and we allow them to stay in this squalor, 
we're taking away their ability to love other people. You bring up a great point there, the, the humility, the being humble. Many, many times, our idea of humility is a perversion of, of what the real thing was, which is what Christ exhibited. Uh, we tend to, to sell ourselves short, you know, we, 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 I'm just, we, we try to soften up uh, the, our excuses and things and, and call it humility, but it's anything but. Humility is hard work. Yeah. It's, humility it's, is... It's dirty work. It's dirty work. <laughs> it's, it's doing what I don't deserve yeah. to do. It's like, yeah. how dare you ask me to go that extra mile? How dare you? Well, okay, you don't have to. But if you don't, you're forfeiting your ability to be a godly influencer in a way that is going to change people's lives. Is that really what you want? I hope as you've been listening, you've, you've grabbed a hold of this idea of soaking. When I drink in the example of Christ, when I drink in the peace of Christ, when I drink in the presence of Christ, when I start seeing the pictures, the way God would show me of the other person, of himself, of his heart, of his love for other people, when that becomes larger in my life, it empowers me to step into a completely different place. I hope you want that for yourself. I know many of you are going to seek it and pursue it. And please join us again next time for Effective Heart Change. Video production, editing, and audio by Matthew. Set design and setup by Ashley. Content recorded live at Studio 104.